You fought in the Clone Wars? Yes. I was once a Jedi Knight, the same as your father. Here we go. I have a bad feeling about this. Follow me, boys! You're not shinies anymore. Go, go, go! Hello again, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Clone Wars Strikes Back. This is the podcast where we go back and celebrate the six-year history of Star Wars The Clone Wars by discussing each and every episode and story arc. My name is Dominic, and joining me, as always, is my good friend and co-host, Kieran. How are you doing I'm this week, Kieran? I'm great this week, Dominic, and well, I think we've got a great arc in store for the listeners today. We've got Bounty Hunters, uh, the season two, season 2, Episode 17. And that was influenced in memory of Akira Kurosawa, uh, very much famous Japanese yes. director. And then we got the duology of the Zillow Beast. And I don't know, that is uh, many listeners. It's one of their favorite arcs, actually. It's one of a standout one. So can't wait to talk about it with you, Dominic. It's going to be great. Yeah, like you said, we got Bounty Hunters, we got Zillow Beast, and Zillow Beast Strikes Back. These are... This is some of the timeline jumping for season two, because uh, these episodes are from the end of season two. And last week we talked about the first three episodes in season two. And so there's a whole chunk of episodes that we'll be talking about in the coming weeks. You know, Geonosis, Mandalore, Grievous, uh, all that good stuff we'll be getting to uh, in the coming weeks on the show. So let's start off. Let's jump into the bounty hunters first. Uh, do you have a episode description uh, also, this week, the episode synopsis is as follows. Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Ahsoka form an uneasy partnership with four deadly bounty hunters to help protect a local farmer from Hondo Anaka and his band of pirates. Okay, and so... this. Okay, what, what were your initial impressions of this episode? I, I don't know what I thought of it. Well, I think I think it's actually better when I've when I've watched it back than when I initially watched it. I will agree on that aspect because I agree. I was I was very ambivalent about this. It's one of those ones that you you look at it and you think, eh, you know, there was good, you know, Hondo stands out to me in this arc, but apart from that, it's not fantastic. But actually, when I watched it, I I thought it was a it was a very good episode. And there's, there's a lot of good banter in there. I think there's a bit of character development uh, in terms of Obi-Wan, uh, Anakin, Ahsoka, and that relationship. See more of Hondo. And I thought the Bounty Hunters were pretty cool, actually. And obviously it's the first introduction of Embo, who becomes a much more prominent figure in, in later episodes, in later arcs. So in that respect, I have a more appreciation for it, I guess. But... It's, uh, it's not one of my favorites, but then I don't think it's that bad. I, mean, I, I still think it's a solid. I think it's a solid episode. But uh, what, what were your initial thoughts, Dominic? Yeah, there, there's some there's some good stuff in this this arc. Of course, all the, those characters that you mentioned that will become recurring characters. There's some funny stuff with Hondo, and and you got some some you know some <laughs> some interesting new characters, new species of farmers, and great story. You get some interesting stuff about the Jedi and, and what they can and can't do, uh, yeah, but. The, the 
the one thing, the kind of the problem I have with this episode, and, and unfortunately it's a bit of a major issue, and it's right at the end of the episode, it's towards the end of the episode, it's the fight, is, you know, the Jedi and the bounty hunters are supposed to be training the farmers to fight. And yet in that battle, the farmers barely do anything. They, they, you know, they knock over a couple of pirates, but really it's, it's Obi-Wan and Anakin and Ahsoka with their lightsabers, you know, boom, 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 you know, doing all that stuff. And you got Embo and, and Serapis and, 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 and Sugi and, and the other one, you know, shooting pirates and, and you know, and then Hondo has that tank and he's, you know, shooting everybody down. And if it wasn't for Anakin jumping up there and fighting him, I, you know, the pirates probably would have won this. You know, if the idea was to train these pirates so they can defend themselves, shouldn't they have let the, or, sorry, defend, to teach the farmers to defend themselves against pirates? Shouldn't they have let the farmers do more of the fighting? Yeah, I guess you know? so. I just, I, but they are farmers as well. I mean, how long were they training these farmers? I think that's the problem of this episode. I don't know how long. It seemed like a couple of hours at most. I mean, they're not going to be expert fighters. After or this, all right, say a day of training, um, they didn't look that good to be honest. And uh, as much as we'll get onto Delaney a little bit, I reckon. But as much as his, his character was a bit annoying, uh, he did have a point as well when he was saying, you know, we're just farmers. We can't do. It. We can't fight against pirates. But you're, you're I like your point actually because I didn't think about that because last line of this, um, the farmer leader, the the Felucian, uh, Cassis, I believe his name is. He says, "For the first time in my memory, my people do no longer have to be afraid." And you're right; they haven't done anything. The bounty hunters are leaving. The Jedi are leaving. If the next pirate gang comes about, isn't it just going to be the same result? If the if, if the Jedi bounty hunters weren't there in the first place, they're just going to get either massacred or they're going to have to give away some of their crop. I just yeah, they they might be able to put up a little bit more of a fight than they did before, but it it still just seemed like, you know, without Anakin, Obi Wan, Ahsoka, Serapis, Ambo, Sugi, and and Rumi, yeah. I think the other one's name is, without them there, you know, Pondo would have stepped on these pirates. I mean, you know, maybe the or stepped on these farmers. Why do I keep <laughs> saying pirates? Um, if if they um, you know, if they might have been able to take a few down, you know, put up a fight, but. I don't know. I, it was just, it was a, yeah, I would have liked to have seen a bit more of the farmers, uh, doing their own fighting and, you know, Anakin and Obi-Wan maybe just standing there deflecting a laser shot or two, you know, just doing a little bit of that. Not, not, not uh, fighting the war for them, but as, as you know, that's, that's a big issue, but let's, let's move on from that. Let's, let's talk about the, the bounty hunters that we do meet. So there's Sugi, Embo, Serapis, and Rumi, yeah, who you never find out her name, and then she dies. Um, so, so what do you think of Sugi, Embo, Rumi, and well, Serapis? As you said, Rumi was kind of a negli- negligent in this particular arc. I mean, she was there, but she didn't do anything really, apart from save one line, and as you said, get shot. So, I guess we can't. There's not much to say about her. Yeah. Really. But the main, you know, Serapis was in there quite a bit, and I'm quite. It was quite interesting, quite funny as well, when you find out that this massive robotic machine is just this small little alien that's, you know, a coward, really, isn't it? So I thought that was, that was quite an interesting concept. Um, but at the same time, you know, I wasn't 
If it was, it's one of those things, you know, when we, we discuss and say what characters we'd like to see back, then I would say Serapis wouldn't be one of those. But the two that we actually do see come back are probably the ones that I would have liked to. Um, Embo and Suji. Um, is it Suji or Suji? I don't know. Sugi. Sugi. I, I always say Sugi, but I, I don't know. Sugi, Suji, Sugi, Suji. That's it. It's the bounty hunter yeah. played by Anna Graves. That's all we really need to know. I, yeah, personally, I I, 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 quite, I quite enjoyed uh, Serapis. I thought he was he was funny, and you know, it's it's a, you know, there's a lot of great messages in this this episode for for the kids. You know, you can stand up for yourself. You don't have to be afraid of, of pirates. You can learn to defend yourself. All that stuff. You know, you know, just just because you're small doesn't mean you can't make a difference. Which is the whole point of Serapis. I kind of like that. Um, I, and and so there's lots of great stuff. It's just the end fight kind of threw me for a loop with all the messages but that's beside the point i i like suzuki i thought she was she was good fun she was sort of an honorable bounty hunter but she's still a bounty hunter and we see her later on in the series hanging out at jabba's palace mm. um so you know you get the sense that she she has honor but she goes where you know where the money is so you know if if, if the farmers are going to pay her she's going to do everything she can to help the, the farmers but you know if jabba's going to pay her well you know, she's going to do everything to help out Jabba. Uh, and then, of course, Embo with his with his hat. Um, and, of course, voiced by uh, supervising director Dave Filoni. Um, doing what I believe is he's reading from a Smurfs <laughs> book in French. And then it's been heavily, you know, modulated. I, I told my, my brother, who's a big fan of the show, he's like, I'm like, you know who plays Embo? He's like, who? Like, it's Dave Filoni. He's like, there's no way. That is not Dave Filoni. That is not yeah, Dave Filoni. Yeah, yeah. You hear Dave Filoni speak. He doesn't sound anything like uh, like Embo. But then I explained to him, and, and you know, it's hilarious that that's the idea. It's just, it's Dave Filoni speaking French with, uh, you know, Matt Wood and David Acord working their magic on his voice to make him, you know, what's up, what's up, you know yeah. the scary bounty hunter that we kept re-seeing and would have seen more of it had the series continued. Oh, bittersweet moment. <laughs> bittersweet, yeah. On both Sugi and Embo there. I mean, I would argue though that Sugi was more, um, she, she, I think she is more of a good bounty hunter if there is such a thing. I mean, she had the idea of a code, whereas I guess, uh, I don't, I don't know actually. I, I haven't seen bounty hunters not yeah. follow through their uh bounty so to speak or whenever they're hired uh they seem to follow through that because obviously honda was trying to trying to bribe them and say we'll pay you more we'll pay you double whatever you're being paid and she's like well we will do not break bounties or you know codes i can't remember the exact line but it certainly gave off the impression that that, that there was some sort of code a bounty hunter code and that was actually quite interesting because you you know, you look at some of the bounty hunters, you see like Boba Fett, and although um, you know they're supposed to be a neutral party, you usually see them siding so-called with the enemy, um, whereas you don't you don't really get that with her. And also, she 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 does she is in the Wookiee hunt yeah, episode well, when she's again saving the heroes. That's so that's true. why I kind of <laughs> get, get the impression she's more good, so to speak. Whereas Embo, I, I, my opinion has really changed him because I thought that he was a, a good bounty hunter <laughs> in this episode but, but it's like when Anakin goes and shouts Embo and then in the recent, you know, like he's in shock and anguish that he's been shot down uh, and then <laughs> and then in, in the rush Clovis like we just see, Embo's trying to shoot him, you know, and he's deflecting laser bolts <laughs> against him. It's just, 
I, I don't know. Would you say your opinion has changed of the two, or Embo in particular? Uh, well, for 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 Embo, uh, a little bit. I think you know, looking at this arc, we see it. We see him differently because you know he's kind of standing off to the back, not really doing anything until the fighting starts, and he's you know kind of laughing at the farmers, and you know, it's almost like you know he he's just there to to get the money and go, um, and he's only there because you know. Sugi, Serapis, and, and Rumi are there, and he's, you know, hanging out with them for the time being, and, you know, maybe he realizes at some point after that that it's more profitable to mm-hmm. go out on, on his own. Where, and, and so, you know, he, he is sort of, whereas Sugi is in there, and she's, you know, actively helping the farmers, and, you know, she's, she's arguing with Obi-Wan about what's better strategy for how to defend the farmers and all that. So I, I really got the sense from her that she is more focused on, um, you know that 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 her focus is saving the farmers, and that because they are paying her to do that, she's going to do everything in her power to do so. And just the fact that she would take this job, I think, speaks about her character that she's willing to stand up for the little mm-hmm. guy, for the you know, for the farmers. And, and whereas you know, someone like Cad Bane, I don't see him taking this no. job. You know, I see see Cad Bane, you know, would just turn his back and walk away. He wouldn't, you know betray the farmers if they paid him uh to, to do a job he wouldn't you know stab them in the back but he would just not take the job and i think you know sugi had enough pull with with embo and, and the other bounty hunters that she was able to convince them to work on this job and uh you know do it to the best of their abilities whereas you know she's also comfortable from time to time uh drawing her blaster on behalf oh, yeah, of, uh, sure. of jabba uh, so I, yeah the, 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 the I, was, I was gonna say i feel oh, like ahead. as well that as you as you've alluded to, she she's definitely like the leader of this gang because you you see her as the one that speaks out a lot more yeah. and and it's almost like what she says the other bounty hunters will follow in a way, uh, and that, that, that yeah of course that shows then a lot of respect that they have for her and she must have uh, quite a high standing amongst uh, the bounty hunting elite I guess particularly if you've got someone like Ember when we see him later you know he's on his own and he. he yeah, exactly. Working for Darth Sidious. Darth Sidious. <laughs> and uh, obviously he gets then in, in contact with Boba Fett, Bosk, and all of those bounty... You know, and he's in Java's palace as well. So I, I feel like, yeah, there is a lot of respect towards her. And I, I, I find her a likeable character. I'm not saying I don't find Embo a likeable character, but I just feel that he's... He, I guess he's more dark. He he would be more willing for the you know to let the collateral damage happen. You know, if the farmers got killed off, but the Silum was saved, and that's fine. <laughs> that's the objective. Whereas she was, yeah, there, exactly. she said she was there protecting the farmers. She's saying, you know, get get the farmers and the Silum into the hangar, and uh, we can protect them. It'll be easier to protect them there. So I feel like, yeah, she she definitely had a good side towards her. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. One thing that was really interesting about about this this episode was that you know the Jedi show up and they see these farmers are in desperate need of help, um, and Obi Wan basically says we can't help. You know, this is not our place. We we can't help. You know, he explains it later on that you know if they stick around too long, General Grievous will show up and and all of that. Um, what did, what did you think of that? Did that you know change your impression of the Jedi? Does that speak to something you know rotting within the Jedi Order that they would turn their back on these farmers? Yeah, what do you I think? Mean, I understand Kenobi's stance that he is clearly has trepidation at the thought of attracting, as you said, Grievous and the Separatists. 
and he wants to make sure that they don't turn up and cause more trouble. But it just seemed like he didn't want to intervene, but then he recognised that the farmers aren't going to stand a chance. So what, <laughs> what was it? What's his purpose then? I mean, it's supposed to be the keepers of justice and order in the galaxy, uh, keeping peace and justice in the galaxy, and yet uh, he's willing to let these farmers be killed off. He was like, yeah, rather the pirates come and raid this place than general... You know, either way, these pirates are going to get yeah, that, either massacred or they're going to have to give away some of their crop. It just felt like, come on, you got to help them out here, buddy. Yeah, it's, it's yeah, not justice. And also, Suji, however you say her name, Sugi, raised a good point when she said uh, how hypocritical it was that this was the, the peacekeeper who fails to keep the peace. And I thought that was... Yeah. Like, I might have stolen that line. I haven't used it. Sorry, Dominic. Is that Burn. your line? Oh, no. Oh, but uh, <laughs> no, I feel no, like... Um, Don't worry. It was it was a very good point. And uh, I guess, yeah, I'll throw that to you. I mean, do, do you think that she has a good point there when she says that he is supposed to be the peacekeeper? Then, but in reality, he hasn't... They haven't kept... The, not just him, but the Jedi as a whole haven't kept the peace. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I, I think this more speaks to, you know, the... The, the 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 problems that the Jedi have that they've become warriors that they've given up their ways and I think you know if twenty years ago if the Jedi had crashed on this planet and this exact same situation was going on um, Obi Wan Anakin and Ahsoka or whatever three Jedi it were would have been more than happy to help but because they are at war and because you know if General Grievous realizes that you know there was that that they crashed there and he would bring his fleet and attack. They can't help, and they have to get out of there as quickly as possible. And it, it sort of it, it just speaks to you know how far the Jedi have fallen, and it's just another one of these causes the, of them giving up the, their ways to the point where they're you know they ultimately get overthrown by the Sith, and that's sort of that's a recurring theme theme on this show. And really, I don't think there's been an episode of this show where we haven't talked about that a little bit because it seems like no matter what, somebody always. Um, you know, there's there's always something that the Jedi are doing wrong, which is against um, what we think the Jedi should be and could be, and a thousand years ago probably were. So it's 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 just one of those interesting situations. Of course, uh, this arc also, or this episode, it's not really an arc. Uh, this episode saw the return of Hondo, the the pirate, um, and we we talked about you know um, back when we were first introduced to Hondo and in, in Dooku captured and and. Um, Gungan general that you know <laughs> you know when we first saw him that he was going to be the villain for this arc i was like really <laughs> that's the character you're bringing back of, of, of all the characters you could but it turned out to be a great 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 decision um i really i'm quite happy with it <laughs> um uh because you know after rewatching those episodes and then seeing this episode again it's really it is pretty in yeah. line with with his character you know we we kind of get the impression from the boba fett arc which we'll talk about later on that he is kind of in this moral gray zone but really in these episodes he's the bad guy and he was he's a great entertaining bad guy i mean what do you I think, think he of Hondo in these episodes? He, he's certainly a character that can again a bit like most of these bounty hunters at one, at one stage you'll be on the side for good at the at the second stage you'll be you know it'll be siding with the jedi or we'll be siding with the sith or we'll just have his own cause um I think the best word to describe him is he's avaricious. He's greedy for wealth uh, or material gain. And I just feel that really sums up Hondo in a nutshell. Whenever money's involved, it's however he's going to get the most of it. Uh, 
Uh, another quote that always makes me laugh is whenever <laughs> they go and talk about Republic credit. <laughs> because it's like the Jedi. Yeah. Like, you know, whatever <laughs> you're paying for this prop, we'll pay you twice as much. And he's like, well, how are you going to pay me for this? And he's like, well, we've got Republic credit. He's like, no, Republic credit. He's like, yeah, you know, everyone in the Outer Rim is not interested in Republic credit. They, it's, it's, I, I guess that's fair, though. It's like here, me in Britain and... Uh, someone's giving me a euro or a dollar well how am i going to spend that here you know what i mean yeah you have to go to the bank they charge you absurd costs and yeah, it's just like why 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 about this republic credit it's like, i don't want this yeah it's all this it's these fund exchanges yeah, exactly. interest it's, rates it's, and, it's uh, a lot of Hullabaloo, sorry to say. I've just made that phrase up there, but... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Hullabaloo. <laughs> uh, yeah, they're just making a big whoop-de-doo about the whole thing. <laughs> Stealing jokes from other podcasts. Yes! Um, uh, but yeah, I mean, I just feel like Hondo, uh, going back to his character, and it was it was just good to see him back again. And he is... It, it is so good because he is really in that gray area. You can never tell if he's going to be on the good side or the bad side. For example, like you see him in the uh, later spoilers, but everyone should know what happens anyway. In the Onderan arc, when he's siding with the Jedi, provides uh, Ahsoka and the Rebels with the yeah, with the exactly. Weapons. And then the arc later, literally afterwards, he's trying to kill Jedi younglings. Yeah. You know, it's. <laughs> Yeah. And, and in the youngling arc, he, he goes from trying to kill the Jedi younglings to saving them. Yeah. It's, it's, he's, yeah, he's, you literally never know what he's gonna, what he's gonna do next. That's what is driving this man. Yeah. And that is exactly what's driving him here. Is that, I, I mean, that, that's again, I guess what distinguishes him from the likes of Grievous and, uh, Dooku and the Separatists. And it is, in a way, he is a bounty hunter. And I thought it was quite, you know, a bit ironic. He goes and says, like, don't listen to this bounty hunting scum. And I thought, well, hang on a minute, aren't you just a bounty hunter? You know, I just thought, <laughs> there's not really, I couldn't really see uh, any major distinct features between the likes of Hondo and, and the likes of other bounty hunters, such as Cad Bane and Ember. So I just feel like, um, what, but. Yeah. That's a good point. What's the difference between a pirate and a bounty hunter? I mean, the only difference I can really see is that Hondo has like a big oh, team. True. But they're, they're not really loyal, though, are they? That's kind the of. We but, see but we've also... <laughs> they suddenly turn yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> maybe it's just like, maybe it's just a thing where Hondo's like, ah, I don't want to be a bounty hunter. Bounty hunters get a bad rap. I want to be a pirate. Yeah, he did, he did you know, something like that. Relationship with Laura Singer. Maybe he just thought, I can't do it anymore. I can't, can't sit. Yeah. It's <laughs> <laughs> yeah. like, I don't want to be a relationship with her. School. You don't really want to see their face again. So, you know, he just, he just left that work field and went somewhere else <laughs> he emigrated i can't do it anymore. i can't take it so now he's just a pirate instead but yeah i don't yeah. think it was much of a difference in that regard but but but, but i think that the why again he's so no. lovable in a way though is that he's not he isn't there just to i guess kill them for no reason he is there well he is trying to kill them i guess but he is like uh doing it for monetary gain uh whereas you just see grievous ventress at this particular point and dooku as being just malevolent and malicious um whereas i see more hondo as a bit like a bit like han solo before episode four if there if there ever was going to be uh, a TV show or film, if Disney are listening, uh, of a Han Solo backstory, then uh, that's kind of what I'm imagining Hondo to be like. He'll choose either side, whatever 
as long as he gets money at the end of it, but just not Republic credit because it doesn't like that. <laughs> so what were your thoughts on? Yeah, that? yeah, exactly. Really, yeah, no, I, 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 you know, this was, like I said, the arc that really made me fall in love with Honda was the Boba Fett arc. So we're still not quite there yet, but going back on it, it's just, it's so much good stuff. He's so, he's hilarious. I just love his personality. He's this, you know, he's, he's not like a menacing villain. He's kind of a funny villain and, and funny villains are, are good as long as they have that sort of that menacing aspect to him, which he does. I mean, he's <laughs> shooting people with a tank. He's just sitting at the top of the mountain, just firing down on people. And it's, yeah, it was, it was a great choice for this arc. I'm so glad that they did choose to bring him back and make him a, a recurring character. And he's hilarious. He's voiced brilliantly by, by Jim Cummings, who also does, believe it or not, Winnie the Pooh, um, which is like the complete, complete opposite of, of each other. Yeah, you can, if you ever have, if you're ever bored and you just want to look up some funny stuff on YouTube, uh, you can look up Jim Cummings reading Darth Vader dialogue as, as Winnie the Pooh. That's pretty hilarious. But there's, there's also a video that he did about, about two years ago now uh, with his, with his daughter. And his daughter is essentially telling you how to cook some special kind of, you know, Cummings recipe, <laughs> Cummings family recipe <laughs> stuffing or something. Oh gosh. And, and, and he's, and he narrates it as, as Hondo. And so he's talking about, you know, chopping up carrots, whether they like it or not, you know, it's, it's, it's very, it's very amusing oh, if you ever have the time to check to that out. out for sure. that but yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah, it's quite, quite funny. Uh, let's, let's move on, uh, in this arc, uh, or this episode again. Uh, you know, there, there's really not too much beyond that. I, I really, um, you know, there's Anakin crashing again. That was hilarious. Um, those big oh, yeah. bouncy pods. <laughs> those look, those look a lot more fun than normal escape pods. Let's just be honest. Um, and, uh, you know, we see them training the villagers and, and we meet the, the villager Delani. I know you, you had some in- opinions oh, on Delani. Was, what do you think of Delani? I can say it, but he was very annoying. And, uh, I, I said this to Delani before, <laughs> uh, we actually started recording this. That, uh, one of my notes was, uh, Delani shut up. Because uh, he was talking absolute. I mean, <laughs> in a way, he was talking sense because they are farmers. But I think it was just the way it was being portrayed more than anything else. I think how it was delineated. It just wasn't. It wasn't one where you'd think, oh, you know, I, I understand that character. It was more, oh, just you know, I don't want to hear your voice anymore. You know, I had enough of Delaney. <laughs> He's just so annoying. <laughs> because I mean, for example, he goes says. You know, but Obi-Wan's making a good point. He says, you know, before the fight begins and the Jedi will fight anyway, but when he's trying to make his point and he says um, when they're all out outside and doing... I don't know what exactly they're doing. They're, like, trying to do some ritual or something, ain't they? Like, try, they've got these spears, haven't they? They're doing, like, formation tactics or something. Anyway, yeah. when, they're in that, when they're in that scene and... Uh, and he's like, we're not going to be soldiers or whatever he says. And then uh, Obi-Wan is just like, you know, well, there's yeah. another, bri- well, another uh, band of brigands would have never to be returned. Or do you plan on giving part of your crop every season? And he's like, there won't be another harvest. And it's just like, come on, Delaney, <laughs> just calm down. But would you say he redeemed himself, I guess, at the end? Because he did go and chuck a spear at one of the pirates to save Obi-Wan. So I kind of, re- I, I, yeah. I, I appreciated that. A little bit, but 
Now, like I said, I don't want to see him again. <laughs> I, I don't think I, I don't think I, I, I hated him as much as you did. I, you I, did. I, I, I again, he falls in. Yeah, he falls into sort of the the lessons of you know you, you have to overcome and persevere. You know, he he feels like he can't he can't do this, and he's he's whining about it, and he's crying about it. And then at the end, we see him, and he's he's the hero. He he, he saves Obi Wan Kenobi. I mean, if Obi Wan Kenobi dies in this episode, the whole Star Wars saga is thrown out of whack. So this guy, you know, <laughs> the Empire fell because of Delani. Yeah. Think on that. No, I, you know, he's, 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 you know, he, he learned his lesson. Yeah, he learned his lesson. He was he was fun. I I, I thought he was you know a humorous voice. I, I I get how that could you know grind on your ears a little bit after after too long. But I thought he was a good sort of representative of some of the farmers who probably didn't feel like fighting was their best solution. That their best solution was just to. You know, let Anakin, Obi Wan, Sugi, Embo, Ahsoka, um, Serapis, and, and Rumi do all their fighting for them. And you know, he turned out to, to to be the one to show why that was a bad idea because he saved Obi Wan Kenobi. Uh, so yeah. So um, do you have anything um, else you want to bring up about this episode? Maybe the last bit. Then I'll just. Well, what, did, what did you make of the um, the the actual fight between Anakin and Hondo? Uh, because I thought. Anakin is lightsaber trained, and I know Hondo's got that Electra staff there, but maybe I'm just being picky. But how he lasted <laughs> quite a long time before he got kicked off that cliff, nearly. Uh, you know, a bit like when we see Cad Bane later when he has a lightsaber, you can see that they're not experienced with it. Or Kato, actually, we can use that example. They're not experienced with a lightsaber. Um, yet Hondo seemed to hold his own quite a bit, and I just thought maybe that was because he was a fan, well, at least a writer's favorite, but I, I don't know whether I would believe that. I, I but here, here's what I think. I think Anakin might have been just kind of toying with him, like, you know, just trying to, you know, maybe he didn't want to kill Hondo, maybe he realized that there was some value to Hondo. I mean, there turned out to be value to Hondo later on down the line, and so he was just kind of, you know, he was just fighting him, not trying to chop his head off, but rather trying to disarm him or, or distract him uh, long enough so that he'll stop shooting the villagers and maybe they, they can drive away a few more or, you know, trying to get inside the tank or something. I, I you know, I think you're right that if, if it hadn't been just a, you know, one person's got to kill the other person, Anakin would, would chop Hondo's head off in, in no time flat. Um and, and, you know, we see that when, when characters are in that kind of scenario and they're fighting non-force sensitive people with lightsabers. Like, you know, with, uh, when Obi-Wan fights Pre Vizsla in, in season two, you know, Obi-Wan beats him up pretty quickly because he was trying to yeah. win the fight, you know, um, and, you know, possibly kill Pre Vizsla. Same thing, even when Cad Bane gets a lightsaber, you know, he doesn't hold on to it for very long. Obi-Wan gets it out of his hand pretty quickly and is trying to get back to just killing Cad Bane. Uh, whereas, you know, Darth Maul versus Brie Vizsla, I think uh, Darth Maul was, you know, putting on a show for the Mandalorians and to show that, you know, he could win without, you know, just using force tactics and, you know, yeah, and just trying to put on the best possible show to, you know, show them that he's a warrior, not just a, you know, a, a horn-headed crazy, as, as Hondo calls him, you know. Oh, I'll, I'll, let, I'll let you have that one. Um, nice, so, nice, nice, direct comment. <laughs> yeah. I, I guess... 
I win. All right. Um, we'll do quotes and, and ratings at the end with uh, with Zillow Beast. Um, yeah, so the next two episodes are The Zillow Beast and The Zillow Beast Strikes Back. Do you have the episode yeah, descriptions for these two episodes? The synopsis for The Zillow Beast. The Republic's new super weapon awakens the fearsome Zillow Beast of Malastare. Now Jedi must devise a plan, sorry, devise a way to contain the deadly creature. And the second uh, episode of this arc, the Zillow Beast strikes back. Republic forces bring the Zillow Beast back to Coruscant for testing. When it escapes, the Jedi must choose between saving millions of lives and destroying the Zillow Beast, the last of its kind. Yeah. So, um, what were your initial impressions? I would say my initial impressions were not actually that high, if I'm being honest. I know that's going to be quite quite a challenge to many other people's perceptions of this because I know it was it was quite a a fan favorite, and we I don't know if anyone's seen the article on StarWars.com about the top ten episodes. Well, actually, they put the Zillow Beast as number ten in that list. That was a very highly debatable list, I must say, but. They put it there at number 10. <laughs> um, I, the thing is, I, I, the reason why I guess is because it just resembled far too much Godzilla. And I just... Uh, yeah, Godzilla, I, I, I admit, um, I don't think I've seen that film. But I know what Godzilla is. I know I've seen... You know, I haven't either. Yeah, well, yeah, Godzilla is one of those things. Yeah, everybody knows who Godzilla is. I haven't seen seen that, uh, Godzilla. I haven't, film either. I haven't seen it. Yeah, as um, you said, you haven't so, seen it either. Yeah. But we all know what Godzilla is. It just the... oh, there's a yeah, new one but... coming out, so we'll probably see that yeah, one. You know, <laughs> yeah, well, Brent, Brent, Brent Cranston and all that good stuff. Yeah, any ideas good. from the Zillow Beast? You never know. Um, <laughs> from the Zillow I, Beast, I, I, yeah. <laughs> There'll be a moment where where somebody just randomly pulls out a lightsaber and tries to kill Godzilla. They're like, "Come on, you're stealing from the Zillow Beast." I love that idea. (laughs) Just to quickly finish on my initial thoughts, I mean, I think the main reason was because when I first watched it, I guess I just saw it for what it was aesthetically, and as the plot, I thought it was it wasn't the greatest. I thought they're spending two episodes on this. But I will admit, when I went back, there's a lot of good stuff in here, actually, in terms of uh, character interactions, uh, character development, and actually uh, quite big plots uh, in terms of when we see who knows about Anakin and Padme's relationship and all of this stuff, and uh, Palpatine as well as a key (laughs) prominent figure. I I will admit, when I've I've looked back and watched this, I rate it a lot higher, a lot higher, and I definitely think this is better than the Bounty Hunters episode that we just talked about. So that is kind of how I've gone about it. It started off as a low initial thoughts, but uh, in terms of how interested I was in it, but it's certainly gone higher. I rate it. So what about you, Dominic? You disagreed when I first said I didn't have a good initial thought. (laughs) Well, I... I, (laughs) Well, okay... I agree that I think it's it's better than the the Bounty Hunters episode that we just talked about. Um, I, I disagree that it should be in the top ten episodes of uh, of uh, the Clone Wars. Not even close. Um, when, when I first saw it, I it was I thought it was a good episode, not a great episode, and I, I, I'll, I'll stand by that. I think it's a good, not great. There's a lot of there's a lot of fun stuff. I mean, with with uh, you know Anakin and Mace, uh, which is a relationship I always find fascinating. 
Um, and then, of course, all the stuff that goes on on Coruscant with, with the testing of the beast. And there's some, you know, there's some <laughs> moral issues that get brought up in here, not just around, you know, treatment of animals and, and, but also, you know, there's a very quick, um, debate in, in Palpatine's office about, you know, how mm. much secrecy should a government have over its, over, over its people, which is a very real world. And, <laughs> kind of current um you know discussion with with, with that that we're having in you know in 2014 um so yeah it was it's definitely it, it's an interesting arc i don't i don't think i i don't think i'm the biggest fan of the zillow beast um i know a lot of people were hoping that it would be cloned and brought back i was not one of those um but we'll talk about that when we get to it so let, let's start off with with the zillow um, what was what was your impression of, of yeah, the, the beast, beast itself? AKA Godzilla, as we've or, as we've already said. Uh, AKA Godzilla. Say yeah. that, but they, they, I don't know if you saw the uh, documentary on this, but they say the same thing as well. Yeah, don't the they? documentary is yeah. clear emulation of the Godzilla concept. It's not exactly the same, but the voice as well. I mean, the sound is uh, definitely makes. Uh, this Zillow Beast, in my opinion, more than anything else, by um, David Accord and Matt Wood. I thought it was it was fantastic, and uh, I didn't yeah. realise how much goes into this. When you look behind the scenes, a lot uh, it goes into making that voice. It's it's a it's really a conglomeration of a pitch horn, horse neighing, walrus, and a bobcat growl. I've never ever heard of a bobcat before this, but <laughs> it definitely sounds altogether like. Uh, it sounds like Godzilla. It sounds like the Zillabus. and that's that's you know the two illusions there. The fact it's this giant creature, um, but also the voice and the, the audio that was attached to it. I thought it was I thought it was a cool idea. In fairness, um, although I said you know initial thoughts wasn't the greatest. I didn't have anything too bad to say against the Zillow Beast itself. I thought um, oh it was I thought it was a cool character, and the fact. That that we see later that it's it's pretty much infallible to uh, to lightsabers uh, in particular is the interesting <laughs> lightsabers one. Uh, yeah and you can see then why we'll talk about later Palpatine's interest in this creature but yeah the Zillow Beast itself uh, the, the structure of it it, it, it had a number of uh, I'm thinking it had four uh, arms didn't it, it had, no did it just have two just had two but, oh, but it seemed that way because it said two, so yeah. long and like it was huge. It was huge. So and, big, uh, yeah. I quite like then how the camera was used. You know, everything just looks so small. And you, when you first see its head, uh, um, as I, I've put on a post um, about about this episode that we're about to do now of, of uh, the picture of the Zillow beast coming out of that hole, whatever it was, and uh, and all the dogs just running away, it looked like little yeah. animals compared to its head, let alone the rest of it. No, I thought it was a very oh, it was uh, executed um, almost perfection. I thought it was very, very good. What was your impression of it? Yeah, no, I agree. It was it was very well ex- executed. It was it was looked fantastic, um, and then and, and sound and all that. I love that that they uh, that you know George let them do the thing where it, it strong enough to, to stop a lightsaber, and you know the the EU. <laughs> Has kind of, in some ways, um, weakened the lightsaber. If you ask me, with, with um, you know, vibro blades and stuff that can stop it. Um, um, you know, it seems like everything can stop a lightsaber, but to have 
this you know one thing in in the you know full on George Lucas canon Star Wars that can stop the lightsaber just straight up you know not without some kind of electric thing like the Magnus the guards have with their staffs and all that stuff you know and I thought that was really cool and I love that they they kind of made it intelligent that it, it 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 knew its enemy was Palpatine and it was going after Palpatine that's who it was targeting and you know it saw Palpatine on the screen and it was like I'm going after that and I'll say take out the screen oh it's just a picture okay well let me find the Senate building he finds the Senate and he just wants to get Palpatine and you know it's one of those things you know if the Zillow Beast gets Palpatine you know everything every again everything in Star Wars just you know falls apart well the Zillow Beast state the Sith Lord. Well, you know, there's Count Dooku. Back to the drawing board. Let's see what we can come up with. You know, Count Dooku and Asajj Ventress are yeah, not going to exactly. be able to overthrow the Jedi, that's for sure. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it's, it was a very cool arc. It was very visually cool. Um, uh, let's, let's talk about Anakin and Mace. Can we see them together? Uh, in this arc? And I, I said before that I think Mace Windu doesn't like Anakin because he sees so much of himself in there. And we got a really great, um, look at this in this arc when Mace is trying to get um, the Dugs to stop dropping the gas bombs on Zillow, and he draws his lightsaber and he points it at the neck of the Doge the Doug leader. His name was Dojo or something. Do- Dozier, yeah, Dozier, yeah. And he's pointing his his, his lightsaber at his neck, and, yeah. and it's like that's such an Anakin thing to do. That's what you expect Anakin to do. That's not what you expect Mace Windu to do. What do you think of that moment? A standout one, and Mace yeah. Windu is certainly not like the other Jedi. And I, I really do like your hypothesis there. The, the Anakin, uh, the reason why he doesn't like Anakin is because he sees so much of himself in Anakin, and and I think that's true because you know he's got that lightsaber pointed up there, and I think what adds to the effect as well is that the other dogs actually have to draw their weapons to him. It makes him look like he's the bad guy. Um, and he he says that line that the Dojurus, yeah. the leader of the Dugs, he says, "Well, you know, we're innocent life forms too, are we not?" You know, he, and he's got a point there. He's just drawing this up at this leader of the Dugs here. Okay, he's <laughs> clearly not the nicest guy in the world, but he's hardly. And he probably deserves oh, to have oh, a lightsaber okay. pointed at his neck. Quite frankly, I can tell you don't like him. But uh, <laughs> I bet you ain't got a lightsaber then against him. Otherwise, you might no, be the same, no, aren't no. you? Blimey. Um, <laughs> no, he, he hasn't killed anyone, has he? I mean, he can't say that he had, he had the gun on him or he had a, a weapon of any sort. He was unarmed, at least. Um, so I, I thought that was that a bit... true. Yeah, I was a bit hypocritical in that respect of Mace Windu when he did that. Uh, I understand that he was trying to save the creature's life and he was the one who, um, who was basing this on principle because obviously we have to remember that the motivation for... Uh, the Jedi intervention here was that they wanted to get this treaty signed with the Dugs so that they can then get the fuel uh, on Malastare that would be crucial for maintaining the clone armies. And, I mean, there was that clear divide there. I'll tell you what, linking on to this, what did you make of the idea that um, it was almost principle over pragmatism? It was the principle of the Jedi Order against the needs of the war. I mean, what did you make of that and that debate? Because Mace Windu and Anakin had that debate in the yeah. tent as well, didn't they? Yeah, well, we were just talking in the uh, in the last episode about 
or, or about the last episode there that, you know, the Jedi were kind of breaking their principles by not helping the farmers. And it was a big deal and we were giving them crap for it. And in this episode, we see Mace not breaking his principles. And he's going to defend this beast. He's going to save it. And yet everybody's like, what is wrong with you? What is wrong with you? You can really see how the Jedi are losing their way because they're telling Mace Windu he should not bother with saving the Zillow Beast when it's the last of its species. And, you know, it, it doesn't deserve to die. It, it only attacked when provoked. So, you know, it's a... It's 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 interesting. It's sort of the flip side of you know Obi Wan not oh, wanting to help the farmers that, in the really last episode. As you said, it's it's interesting, but it's also explaining why the Jedi fall because they're not going to win either way. If they stick to their principles and don't intervene, then they'll just get yeah. trampled on by the separatists or by pirates or bounty hunters, whatever the enemy is. But if they stand up for themselves, then they're losing their way, and and then you can almost see in Mace Windu the. Uh, the tip of the dark side, almost. I mean, it's hard. I, I don't know whether I could argue and say Mace Windu is is would would fall that way, but it certainly seems like out of all the Jedi on the Council, he he stands out. He is certainly unique in terms of the mainly in in, in his approach. As you said, it really is an, an Anakin approach that he takes to these situations, whether that would be in the in episode two with the Geonosis and, you know, he's got the lightsaber drawn up to Jango Fett's head and he cuts his head off. And then he's obviously tries to kill Palpatine in episode three. You see how far the Jedi are falling. And, uh, and yeah. Mace Windu is almost the epitome of that in, in a way, because he is the, he would, he could argue he's the second high, highest ranking in, in the order in the Jedi council, second only to Yoda in terms of whether that would be force capabilities or just lightsaber skills. And he is clearly showing a, a side of him that is almost uh, malevolent. But I, I, I also want to be careful to, to, to where I put the boundaries of that, not to say that he's clearly going to be turning into a Sith. He doesn't. But there's certainly elements there that, that can be drawn upon from Anakin, like you said. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So Mace Windu and Anakin Skywalker... They need to just figure out that they're the same person. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, no, Mace is definitely, he's just a fascinating Jedi. I'm glad we got to see more of him in, in season six. And it's a shame we don't really, we're not really going to get to explore him beyond that, that the series didn't get to really look at him that way. But anyways, m moving on. Um, we also, the Dugs in these, this, these episodes, they really, you know, sometimes the series goes to great lengths to show that, um, that not all aliens of one species are the same, you know, that they'll, you know, they'll show, um, Ganocht, who's a, who's the mm. same species as Bosk, but he's really nothing like Bosk. Well, all of these Dugs <laughs> seem to be, they must be relatives of Sebulba because they're pretty slimy and, and, you know, they're torturing that, torturing the beast and they're, ba they're like chanting <laughs> along with it, like, oh, 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 and they're dropping these, these gas bombs and they're torturing the beast. It's, it's, uh, I, what did well, you think of I, the Dugs in these episodes? In fairness, it's how I'd imagine a dog species, which I guess you could say about every species you see on Star Wars, but it's just, as you said, their slimy nature. Uh, they, they, they really are, you know, unique, idiosyncratic in that, in that respect, because, uh, you see there that 
Sebulba, obviously, in, in the pod racing when he, you know, damages and hijacks uh, Anakin's pod race before it's even started. Uh, and you can see how when the Doug leader here, Dojures, has uh, got that map, not map, he's got that sketch or diagram of the Zillow Beast and its weaknesses, and then the Jedi come in and he puts it behind his back, don't he? He's like, you know, I don't want to show them that. And you can see... Yeah. <laughs> he's even, like, he's, like, just about to say, he's like, its weakness is... Oh, they're hiding this Beast Windu and Anakin Skywalker here. No! One another, and yeah, he's hiding the plans behind Clearly, he... Whether it's they don't trust them or they're just yeah. untrustworthy themselves. But, I, I mean, from reading the Darth Plagueis novel, which I've been doing a bit now, <laughs> I, I see there there's more uh, Doug, Doug characters in, in the novel. And they, they themselves are slimy in there as well. And I just think it's a, a disseminating feature for the Doug species more than anything else. Uh, you know what would be a great spinoff series? Of, you know... You have all these dogs, you know, they're all awful people, but there's the one nice dog, and he's gonna try and change his species. There you go, Disney. I just pitched you a Disney Junior TV show. Um, you can get, you can get the same cast in there, you know, maybe you, maybe you have a cameo from, from young Anakin Skywalker in there as, you know, somehow he's, he's on a, doing a pod race on Malastare. So, you know, there's all kinds of possibilities. There's just my pitch for so a bit like the new the Star Wars TV show. Sorry, continue. <laughs> Based on niceness, yeah. <laughs> Based exactly. on personality, it's the ug, it's the it's the ugly it's the ugly Douglin, it's the ugly Douglin, the ugly Douglin. Listening, get that down. Take that. Uh, that can't take it for free. It's copyright. Get Dominic yeah. Jones, Kieran Duggan. You can follow us on Twitter. Blah yes. blah blah. We'll... What's that? Yeah. <laughs> yes. If you want to, if you want to discuss this further, you can follow us on Twitter. At Dominic no J twenty five and at C Duggan. We'll do the contact. Stuff yes, at the end. there you go, you Disney. Say to the end of the podcast, you'll hear how to get in contact. It's quite simple. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't 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 worry, Bob. We got you here. <laughs> the serious topic of the dog. Um, that yeah, their characters, as we've been saying, are just devious, deceitful. They're not trustworthy at all. Uh, but I get, I mean, it makes them interesting, though, as, as characters, because you don't really know what side they're going for. It's a bit like the bounty hunters, you know. They could be good, they could be bad, but you don't really. They're definitely the grey area. You can't pinpoint. And I guess, in a way, because he is the leader, it's kind of what makes a good politician if we're going to talk about real world. You know, you don't really know which side you're going for, and you've got to play it on both <laughs> sides almost. Um so I, I, I can see how the Doug species could be all similar in that respect. But, yeah, what, what, what were your thoughts then on the whole Doug species being, particularly their character, their nature, being pretty much the same? Well, that, you know, I would have liked to have seen a little bit more diversity, but I know, you know it's 22 minutes, you know, don't have all day to set up each Doug's characters characteristics so you know I, I i you know i understand why it was done i just you know wait for the day when we see the ugly dougling um just being an, a nice good guy and, and you know like i i like to see that in, in star wars i like to, i don't like the idea that you know all bith are musicians or all immunes are bankers or you know and i think we could you know branch out a little bit and see some see some characters doing some other fun things that are, that are different from what you expect and sometimes that's what makes things so funny you know you could have like just a really funny moment where you see a rancor 
that you know loves to paint or something you know whereas you expect a rancor to to be a big scary monster i don't know it's it, it, if we had more time i would have liked to have seen a little bit more diversity but i get why they didn't have that um and then of course they make the ingenious decision to bring the zillow after they've stunned it to coruscant um so the first question is whose bonehead idea was this and although the perfectly honest answer is Palpatine, and it's you know, like, how does Palpatine not get blamed for all of the destruction that happens on Coruscant? Oh, he gets like, Zillow is ripping down the buildings. Why are there not protests outside the Senate building saying, Palpatine, what the hell? Our office building just got torn down because you decided to bring the Zillow beast to Coruscant. Why couldn't you have studied it in the outer rim? Why couldn't oh, yes, you have taken it to Tatooine or something, you know? I've kept the secret, wasn't it? No one else knew about it apart from Palpatine, Masameda, uh, the Jedi. Um... Yeah, but, 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 you know, but after it escaped, <laughs> after it escaped, why are there not people, like, furious with Palpatine? It's amazing how Palpatine manages to, to get through all this. I guess this is because of his, his control of the Senate, but, you know, one thing I thought of about the Rush Clovis arc from season six is, you know, Palpatine just endorsed this dude to be leader of the banking clan and it turns out he's a separatist um, you know he's got these ties to Count Dooku and, and all this stuff how does you know how does Palpatine continue to have all of this support he? why because it's, it's a question as to why do not the Jedi not suspect Palpatine as being a suspect in this when we later see the plot with the clones and the and the plot behind well behind the plot to destroy the Jedi he just he just has that he just has that uh, the, the perception yeah, but, uh, that he's created, which has probably been created through the fact that the dark side clouds everything. It's a bit like the eye of the storm, isn't it? <laughs> All this destruction is happening around him. Yeah, when you get yeah, I in the office, he's just this innocent guy, isn't he? That's there's nothing there. Yeah, but, but yeah, but like. <laughs> but all this stuff is going on why isn't someone like Bail Organa or, or even you know um Hallie Bertoni or, or well no she's corrupt she went to go for it but you know someone like Bail or Padme or, or any of those characters or Mon Mothma why aren't they like okay Palpatine is bringing these horrible beasts to Coruscant maybe yeah, we should you know have a vote of no confidence senators. remember a lot of them are inept incompetent senators who still don't recognize that the That's trade true. federation is and corrupt, yeah. They're working with the separatists, yet they're still in a republic. You know what I mean? You feel like Viceroy Gunray, and uh, yep. <laughs> he was playing a crucial role in the uh, Naboo blockade, yet when Lot Dodds ever talks about it, he's like, no, he's just uh, an extremist. He doesn't represent the interests of the party. Uh, you got to remember, these senators are very inept, and when, you know, later, Palpatine proclaims the Galactic Empire, everyone else is cheering, like, yeah, dictatorship, woo! Apart from yeah, they were cheering, Ray, that's they were true. Like, the only two in that pod who were like, <laughs> woo! Not good. You know what I mean? They're like a minority in this. Yeah. So this is how liberty dies. With yes, thunderous applause, yeah. Okay, you're right, you win. That, that, is, that is a good point. <laughs> Points! <laughs> yeah, if you're playing along at home, folks... Uh, <laughs> okay um so here's another question I, I mentioned earlier i think the zillow beast was intelligent and that it was following padme uh, not padme palpatine did do you do you agree do you think the zillow was was uh intelligent and and knew who his en enemy was or was he just you know 
uh, pissed off about, you know, about these doctors trying to take his scales off and, and torturing him and trying to kill him that he just thought, I'm just going to mess uh, stuff I, up I, in, on, on Coruscant. The fact that he um, knows Palpatine is evil, particularly when um, he says that line, doesn't he? He goes, says, wouldn't it just be <laughs> simple just to kill the beast? And then afterwards, uh, you know, the doctor, Dr. Ball, her name is, is, is yeah. trying to... Uh, is trying to uh, be on the side Dr. of Ball, the, yeah. the well-meaning scientist, the doctor. Uh, <laughs> actually, we're talking about the well-meaning scientist. I don't know if you saw again in the documentary when um, <laughs> I think it's Kelly and Plunkett who says yeah. that all these well-meaning scientists seem to be like building death rays or trying to like, you know, uh, it gets, I don't know, replicate yeah. <laughs> the beast armor on the clone armor rather than sorting world hunger and famine and stuff like that <laughs> they're always well-meaning but they're clearly in the wrong yeah. job you know what i mean uh that just made me laugh when i heard that but uh, back back to the point where the, you know the, the beast knows that palpatine's evil i think it's quite clear because he goes and says the line oh i've always merely an animal and then uh, the doctor says well it didn't seem to like your comment as his eye narrows yeah him. and then throughout it he's his purpose solely is to find Palpatine and whatever he's going to do eat him or kill him whatever he's going to do with him <laughs> imagine if he tries to eat Palpatine that'd be quite a funny image I've got in my mind now but yeah well, like we said earlier when he sees the that ho- hollow projector of uh, Palpatine in the streets of Coral Sun when he says again when he says like the Jedi are innocent or whatever he says about them you know he's always trying to be on the side of the Jedi anyway he goes up to that yeah. smashes and goes to the Senate and the biggest, biggest moment, which again, I, I love this moment so much, is when he gets to the Senate building and and he get and he sees the Chancellor in his office and he, his eye zones in almost, zooms in on him, and then Palpatine's just like, we are now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, so, yeah we, we need what, to what go. What's your opinion on that? Though? Do you, would you think that he knows Palpatine is? Yeah. Oh yeah. I, Oh yeah, absolutely. He he knows Palpatine. He's following. I don't know if he knows he's a Sith Lord, but he knows he's a bad dude. He knows that he's his enemy, so he's going after him, and he's trying to, you know, just trying to, you know, eat him basically, to kill him and crush him, and you know, to, to darn shame that he didn't succeed and that the, you know, the Jedi didn't let him succeed, um, because we could have saved a whole lot of trouble. Uh, yeah, no, I. <laughs> yeah. They just had to listen to his. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, let's see. And then they they ultimately make the decision to 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 let the to to put the Zillow beast down, and you have the big, you know, the sad moments of, oh, they're, they're killing the beast after it killed millions of people. Aw, after it killed yeah, millions exactly. of people and tried to take out the well, Sith all, Lord. But yeah, just casualties, you know, cannon fodder. <laughs> yeah, like those, yeah. Like those poor people in the collateral damage. Uh, you know, the <laughs> climbs up and they just sit. They're just sitting there. They're having a board them. meeting. I don't know. This <laughs> is what happens in board meetings. In blimey, I'll, I'll be part of that. Look boring from the outside. I tell you that. Much. <laughs> well, I don't know. Maybe they were about to have a board meeting, and the CEO was late, and so they're just like, 
Where the heck are you, man? Come on. This is, the meeting was supposed to start half an hour ago. You know, if I showed up half an hour late, I'd be fired. But the CEO doesn't know big deal. You know, so something like that. That is the Zilla Beast! You know, what they don't realize is that the CEO didn't show up because the Zilla Beast ate him. And, uh... <laughs> no. It was like, nope. <laughs> Starts turn, turn around and run for it. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, carry on coming at you. Oh, man. So, oh god, I was yeah, I was going to ask you if you have up, anything else you want to bring uh, up about this. this arc. I, I mentioned earlier about the notion that who knows, or the hypothesis of who knows Anakin and Padme's relationship, and I feel that's uh, quite an interesting oh, yes. line that's said at the beginning when the Jedi Council, or actually it's just Obi Wan and Windu, are talking about uh, the fact that Zillow Beast has been brought here by the Chancellor. And he's, you know, Windows, and he's tried to persuade him, but with no success. And then Obi-Wan says, well, perhaps we should let someone else try. Now, was he then referring <laughs> to the fact that he was going to try and get Anakin, and then he thought the best way to get Anakin was to go through Padme? So the question is always asked, does Obi-Wan know at this point? Because this is earlier than when we see yeah. later in Season 6, when it's pretty pretty much spelled out to the audience there that he knows but at this point yes are you are you of that opinion that he does yeah no if he doesn't know already this conversation of you know padme basically saying you're supposed to be on my side here um you know pretty much seals the deal he realizes that they're they're going together and you know i think that both padme and and anakin i think obi-wan thought you know padme has been Palpatine's friend for a long time. You know, he was the senator while she was queen. She essentially made him chancellor of the Republic, so he would probably be able to, um, to you know, can uh, get her. Or she might be able to convince him to change his mind. Plus, you know, Obi Wan obviously knows that that Anakin has some kind of relationship with the Chancellor. I think it became. I think if he probably already knew right away in episode two, you know, or by the time we, we got to episode two, he probably already knew that. And that just gets accentuated as the, the series goes on um, or extended or I don't know if, if that's the right word or not. Um, but he, he definitely, uh, you know, he, he definitely has this relationship and Obi-Wan knows about it. So he's going to try and use these two people who he thinks probably have more influence over Palpatine than anybody else. He's going to, get them together whether he knows that they're in a relationship or not i don't think he he may suspect that they're, they're you know friends with benefits or something or they both have, or they both have crushes on each other um that to get them i don't think he knows that they're married but to get them to work together to try and take down palpatine and then palpatine if he didn't already know this probably was just another sort of you know, hmm, moment. You know, I don't have to put this in my back pocket, and if I'm trying to convince Anakin to join the dark side, well, I might have to bust this out. And, and so that's um, that's what I think happened. Uh, how about you? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I'm of the similar sentiments there. That I believe that he knows that there's something between the two. Whether he knows exactly. Um, as you said, if they're well, I don't know if he knows they're married, for example, but he definitely knows there's a close relationship there. Personally, I have, I'm of the opinion that he knows that they're in a relationship, but he probably doesn't know to the extent, uh, as you were saying there, whether it was uh, as expansive as a marriage. And obviously, at this point, they hadn't, you know, she wasn't pregnant yet. Yeah, yeah. wasn't having. Well, she, she, she might. 
Well, we'll go into details on that. But <laughs> 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 it's just, you could tell there's a relationship between the two, and I think that's the important concept that I was trying to get gleam from this. And I thought it was really interesting is that you know the first person he goes to is is Padme, um, rather than Anakin. He, he sees that as almost the tool or the the catalyst to push things forward is by using her. And that that already is quite interesting, and there must be something there because you wouldn't just go to Padme uh, to go and talk to Anakin if he didn't recognise that something was between the two anyway. Yeah, that's my opinion. Um, I've got one last thing I want to mention, and that is kind of not soon a- not soon after this is when we've got Anakin, Padme, and the Chancellor in the office, and. Um, there's a debate going on, isn't there, about, as you said, the democratic side of things. Uh, yeah. Padme's trying to be on the side that, you know, we shouldn't kill this beast. It should be debated in the Senate. And I quite like Masameda when he says, like, yeah, oh, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. And she's like, yes, it does matter. And then he's just like, well, don't you have more pressing things to attend to? Just, like, trying to divert this away. This doesn't matter. This is none of your concern or whatever. Um, I thought that was quite an interesting line. But I just think, in general, the um, the debate there is almost trying to fight for Anakin there, isn't it? Because you've got the Chancellor and Padme both trying to fight for his side, and, and Anakin remains neutral in this, doesn't he? He's like, well, you know, you raised both good points. Yeah. And then the line that gets me is when he says that Master Kenobi has taught you well. Now, I don't know, is he? <laughs> it's such an eerie line, but I ask you first, what did you make of, one, that whole scene, but... In particular, the line that he says that Master Kenobi has taught you well. Yeah, it's it's an interesting line. I, you know, I I think it's just I think it's Palpatine trying to keep up his you know his image that you know he he likes the Jedi and he, he supports the Jedi, so he'll he'll compliment Obi Wan Kenobi. Why not? I'll throw a nice say something nice about Obi Wan, and and that's that's what he does. I don't think he's. I don't know if there's any deeper meaning to it. I couldn't. I couldn't find anything to it really. I, you know, I think he was just trying to keep up his his image. And you know, if Anakin is say, saying something that's Jedi like, then he'll comment on that and he'll try and make it sound like it's a a good thing to keep people thinking that yes, he supports the Jedi because he keeps trying to convince people of that. As we see, you know, on those video screens, and we'll see again in Lightsaber Lost on the video screen. So yeah, that's that's what I think. Uh, what about you? Um, yeah, I, <laughs> sorry, I just got a bit distracted there. Again, the, the light seems to have diverted its way here. What I can pose myself. Yeah, the whole scene there, I, I just feel like that line in particular, the one where he says, Master Kenobi has taught you well, that just gives me the impression that he's being quiet quite damning against Obi-Wan almost that he's still um, I guess in a way it's, 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 it's a bit of the fact that he's kind of you know against obviously he's the Sith Lord so he's uh, the antithesis to the Jedi Order and despises their principles and that's one of the reasons you know Anakin's tra- taking a neutral viewpoint here and he's like oh no just choose a side choose my side you know? um, and that's kind of the uh the impression I almost got from that, but also uh, I, I don't think it's really given a, a, a positive appreciation that, uh, of Obi Wan that uh, 
the fact that, again, in a way that he is neutral because he should be supporting Padme in a relationship here, surely. And yet he is still being swung the other way. And we know that's down to Palpatine's schemes, but the fact that Obi-Wan is kind of in the dark about all of this is kind of, you know, it's just certainly a subtlety to the line. It's, I, don't, I don't think it's nearly as sincere as the impression that you, you may get just taking his line um, for granted if you were just to read that and think, oh, you know, Palpatine's being nice. I don't think he is. Um, that's kind of the impression I got between that. Uh, but I thought it was interesting. I believe that the Chancellor was winning Anakin over a lot more than Padme was, and that's further evidence. That's very telling, yeah. <laughs> she says to him, I thought you were on my side. And he was like, yeah, but you make some good points, don't you? <laughs> you <know? laughs> so I thought that was quite funny. Um, yeah, I think... I, I, have you got anything else to say on that? Because I'm, I'm no. not... That's pretty much it. That's that's what I, I we went through all my notes and uh, yeah. So let's uh, move on to favorite quotes and let's start with the bounty hunters. Do you have your quotes ready or do I need to go first again? No, I've got my quote ready. Okay, good, good. Go for it. I'm ready, but I, I hope I haven't nicked yours. But here we go. It says uh, when Hondo first shows up, buy it, Kenobi Skywalker. I can't <laughs> believe you came all this way to see me. Yes, I, I just love that line. I, I love that line on too. the Star Wars uh, Underworld intro. Yeah, before. yeah, you hear it every week on the intro. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I love that that line as well. But my favorite is uh, is when they um, they've crashed on the planet and they're deciding which way to go. And uh, Anakin says, "Why do you even ask for my opinion? We never do things my way." And Obi Wan replies with, "We crashed the ship your way." I just yeah. thought that was a great line and a great little bit of banter and they continued on and on and on until uh you know <laughs> Ahsoka uh you know points out that you know yeah. there's some fire over there that they should probably go <laughs> investigate. Uh so how about from uh either of the Zilla Beast episodes? Yeah, uh, I'll start off with one quote from the Zilla Beast and I'll let you take over again while I find the quote for the second episode. But it's uh when the Zillow Beast is, you know, destroying all those tanks and he picks up one of them and one of the clone troopers says, whose bright idea was this anyway? Uh, everyone's getting <laughs> yeah. And all yeah. like, it just seems like a stupid idea. I thought that was so funny. The, the absurdity of the Jedi tactics, eh? What yeah. about you, Dominic, for those? Yeah. For, for those, I, I've only got one from, but it's from the second episode. It's, uh, it's, um, when... When uh, it's another funny one, it's Obi Wan, uh, Mace Windu, and Rex watching Anakin cut the space or cut the shuttle in half, and and Obi Wan says, "Looks like another one of Anakin's improvised plans." And Mace Windu says, "How can it be a plan if it's improvised?" At which General uh, Captain Rex then says, "A lot of the General's plans involve falling." I just thought it was brilliant stuff. Oh, absolutely! I've got one quote from the Zillow Beast Strikes Back, which is another funny one from the Clones. When the beast first um, gets out of his chains and he starts bashing on the door, one of the clones says, I think his name's Cosmo, he says, if that creature's as powerful as they say they are, what good are these rifles going to do? And then the second clone just says, ah, shut up, Cosmos. And then they both get killed. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> it just makes me laugh, though, just thinking it is quite absurd that there's these clones there uh, with little rifles against this massive 20-foot <laughs> Yeah. He's got a point, ain't he? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right, so that'll uh, wrap things up for this 
these episodes, or this arc, I guess. <laughs> uh, so, final thoughts and score out of 10 first for Bounty Hunters, and then uh, then I'll go, and then we'll come back to you for, for Zillaby. So, for Bounty Hunters first, what'd you think? Bounty Hunters, I'm going to give that a 6 out of 10. 6 out of 10. I don't think, as you said, it was the greatest. It, it was better second viewing, for sure, rather than the initial viewing that I had. The main reason I'm giving it a 6 is mainly because of uh, Ondo. Ondo was the one that stood out for me in this arc, uh, in this in that particular episode, I should say. And I, I definitely liked him as the villain in that. Uh, and I thought the Bounty Hunters and Gens were quite cool. You got to see Embo for the first time. His action scenes were brilliant. And the animation, again, was very good. It's, it's certainly getting a lot better. I... It's not it's not the best episode of season two or the series as a whole, but I still think there's some good stuff in here, and I don't think it should necessarily be underestimated in, in that regard. Uh, yeah. yeah, as I said, animation, or sound was good, and there was some cool action scenes at the end, despite, as you said, the uh, seemingly con- contrary uh, morals that were being created <laughs> uh, didn't seem to quite work together. Um, but nevertheless, I thought it was still a solid episode. So uh, over to you, Dominic. What's your thoughts and rating of this arc? Yeah, I, I, I think I'll give it a, a six and a half. I, I think I liked it a little bit better than you. Um, but yeah, I just have some problems with that end fight. You know, it, it just didn't quite... The message didn't match the execution, you know, and that's where this, this arc loses points for me. But, you know, love seeing Embo, love seeing Sugi. Um, some, good, some good banter between Anakin and Obi-Wan. You know, I just talked myself into giving this episode a seven, so um, I'll boost it up even more. So it's a it's a seven out of ten for me, uh, which is some good some great moments. Although, um, you know, the, the ending uh, left a little bit to be desired for me. Um, so now I'll throw it back over to you for the Zillow Beast duology. Uh, score out of ten. Final thoughts. Zillow Beast duology. I reckon I'm going to give the Zillow Beast duology a eight out of ten. I thought it was very good, very good arc. Um, I, I again, initial thoughts were lower, but it certainly has improved over time. And I feel like it raises some good questions. Uh, we talked about a number of key, I think, important themes swell in the arc, and for me, I think that that's what pushes this more than it would have been when I first viewed it. Uh, there's some also some good. Act- I mean, uh, we haven't really touched upon it, but that opening sequence in the Zillow piece was absolutely phenom- phenomenal. The scale of it was just fantastic in terms of animation. You got to see the X wings, the Y wings, that electro bomb was that was very cool as well. Yeah, I just thought all of the animation and character interactions between Mannequin Mace and then Palpatine. Uh, he was a prominent figure in this episode. It was all just, uh, there was a lot of good stuff in this. And it shouldn't be underestimated at all. Uh, 8 out of 10, what's your thoughts? Yeah, I, I give this one a, a seven and a half. I, I Like you said, the action at the beginning was fantastic. It was so good. Um, the bomb was a cool idea. I, I was, I, you know, I, I don't know. It was a cool idea. It, it felt like they were making a, a bit of a bigger deal about it than they needed to because it really it's just a glorified droid popper to be perfectly honest although you know i understand why they needed it they needed to cause the same cold the zillow beast was cool it was it was a great monster i loved seeing it um love that it was able to stop lightsabers and then i love some of the some of the more you know moral issues that were brought up in the second episode about whether you know whether it was right to kill the beast or how they should be treating treating it so yeah so i'll give it a seven and a half out of ten so 
that will wrap things up. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Uh, you can find this show every other Tuesday by uh, subscribing to the Star Wars Underworld iTunes feed. That's where you can find this show and my other show, which is the Star Wars Underworld podcast, which comes out every Thursday. It's recorded live on Thursdays at 9 p.m. Eastern on channel 1138.com. That's for the latest Star Wars uh, news and discussion. Uh, and then, of course, if you want to get in touch with us, uh, let us know your thoughts on the next episodes that we'll be talking about, which is the Geonosis arc, the five-part Geonosis arc. So Senate Spy, Landing at Point Rain, um, uh, 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 Factory, Weapons, Weapons Factory, Weapons Factory, Legacy of Terror. Legacy of Terror, Brain Invaders. Yeah, I never, I always forget which of those, Legacy of Terror and Brain Invaders, which one comes first. Um, so yeah, so we got those those five episodes. You can let us know uh, your thoughts on those or on these by sending us an email, clonewarsstrikesback at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook, facebook.com slash clonewarsstrikesback, or just by searching for the Clone Wars Strikes Back. You can follow us on Twitter at TCW Strikes Back, or you can follow me personally on Twitter at DominicJ25 or Kieran on, on Twitter at CDuggan6. Um, and then, like I said, subscribe, subscribe to the iTunes feed so you never miss an episode of this show. Uh, and between shows, be sure to hit up StarWarsUnderworld.com for all the latest breaking Star Wars news, including Episode 7, uh, Star Wars Rebels, that Darth Maul Clone Wars comic that's coming out. And you can also find out about the Thank the Clone Wars campaign that we've got going on over there. So thank you everybody for listening, and may the Force be with you. <laughs>